Top Lane Stadium. Welcome to the Shamrock brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Matt, you could probably watch this uh, game on demand many times. Um, Notre Dame 32 29 over Virginia Tech. Uh, I mean, look, I've, I've covered a lot of Notre Dame football games. I've never covered one like that one. And I realize we just said that two weeks ago against Wisconsin where we had not seen a game like that one. But, like, this one was just completely off the rails. Jack Cohn starts the game to little mystery but is very ineffective, gets benched for Tyler Buckner, who is electric. You're thinking about what the next three and a half years might look with him as their starter, only for him to fall off the table in the second half through two really bad interceptions, gets injured, are they going to put Drew Pine in? Could we see three quarterbacks again? No, it's Jack Cohn. And as to quote Drew White, uh, he's a stone-cold killer. I mean, just phenomenal on those final two drives, absolutely dealing. Um, I mean, this is, this is this is how ridiculous the, the end of the game was with Jack Cohn. His previous 40 drives had netted 44 points total. He was averaging 1.1 points per drive since the beginning of the Toledo game to when he got benched tonight. Comes in like it's absolutely nothing. Length of the field touchdown puts him in field goal range. Jonathan Dore hits the game winner. Your thoughts? It's a lot to process for an intro, Pete. Hi everyone, I'm Matt Fortuna. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was, yeah. I mean, you went, you began this podcast the way you've begun it before. You began it the way Brian Kelly kind of began his post game, which was like not much to say here. Pretty boring day in Blacksburg. Like <sighs> you predicted a weird score, and I don't know if it was or wasn't because last Ooh. time they played on network that no one could watch, they won 32-29 against Toledo a couple weeks ago. So this isn't the first rodeo for Notre Dame with weird games this year. It's not the first rodeo with quarterback roulette, which I think we're just going to have to roll with it and, and get used to that every single week because it's – I mean, today it worked. <laughs> so you can't say it didn't work. Um, really weird game, really weird vibe overall. Saw a glimpse of the promising future and a reason why it's not here yet. A couple of reasons why it's not here yet. Yeah. Um, I do wonder, like, am I going to refresh the transfer portal tomorrow morning and see Drew Pine's name in there? Because I don't know what the hell else that guy has to do at this point to get in the game and get more um, opportunities. Um, but obviously that didn't happen tonight. Um, it's just weird all around. I will say that, I mean... Jack Cohn's got a lot of Tommy Reese in him, and I mean that in a very, very good way. I don't know too many guys who can come in there on a moment's notice at the end of a game like that when everything's working against you and go out and deal the way he did at the end. You mentioned a couple of interesting stats. I got a couple more here. Um, he was 7 for 9 for 93 yards on that final drive. Uh, he got yanked after three drives in the first half. Tyler Buckner in the second half was 1 of 6 for 12 yards with two interceptions. Um, it reminded me, frankly, a lot of the Virginia Tech game two years ago. Notre Dame's coming off a loss. They're playing terrible offensively. Ian Book had no reason to think he should be leading this team down the down the field for a game-winning touchdown drive against the Hokies the way he ended up doing. Uh, and he made that play. The only thing we're missing is Ian Book's uh, Jack Cohn's dad hasn't called one of us a douchebag yet, the way uh, Ian Book's dad did to Tyler James of the South Bend Tribune after that game on Twitter. But maybe we'll get that later. I am a fan of Mike Cohn, though. Um, it was a weird. We even had, we even had Kevin Austin look like Dwight Clark um, 
on that two-point conversion. Like, that was not intended for him, I don't think. But it, Someone actually texted me that he looked like Dwight It's funny because I thought Tim Hasselbeck was really good and had a lot to say, both good and bad, throughout the game. And he's analyzing that play, and he said everything short of that. He's like, it wasn't intended for him. Look at him, come on over. And I'm like, say it, say it, say it. Like, that looked like Dwight <laughs> Clark. Um, just a weird, weird game. And kind of like that Wisconsin game a couple weeks ago, you look up and it's like, well, I don't really know how they won this. I just know that in games like this, more often than not, with all due respect to Justin Fuente, his team seems to be on the losing end of a lot of these, and Brian Kelly seems to be on the winning end of all of these. I, I, I don't know how you get from point A to point B there, but but that's the way it usually works out with this team. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know if you want to get more into Cone now or more into Buckner now, but like, it it's certainly, you know, Brian Kelly was asked like, hey, what do you do uh, moving forward with with the quarterbacks? And I, I don't know if that was where he closed his eyes and put his fists up to his forehead or when he did like sort of the hands on the top of the head or when he did the face in the palms. Like he was he was full on uh, exasperated. I can't believe what you watched either. Um, I, don't, I don't know what they do moving forward, but certainly like – what Cone did at the end of the game and if the offensive line found something tonight with Christophic Moore at left guard with Joe Ald at left tackle, um, then, then maybe things are a little bit different. Um, the, uh, like as good as Cone was at the end and he was great. He was untouched, unhurried, not harassed at all. Uh, and that's just not, he hasn't been able that's to live like they, that. That was their plan though. The I mean, five games. Preseason. Yeah. That's yeah, how it was yeah, supposed yeah. to look that he could just sit back there and, and deal. And he did tonight at the end. Cause he had time to do it. Um, you know, to like it, to do this all without Michael Mayer to do this in a game where you're starting a freshman left tackle, not even your first choice freshman left tackle. Um, a freshman running back, two freshman tight ends, two freshman receivers, a freshman quarterback. Um, I mean, I don't, like, I, I don't, I don't know how good Notre Dame is. I don't know where this team's ceiling ultimately can take it. But man, what they what they did tonight, it's they they certainly will believe that they can go eleven and one. I don't know if they can, uh, but th- they will absolutely believe it and. You know, after tonight, they probably should. After seeing USC and North Carolina play today, um, they should absolutely win those next two games, that's for sure. Um, the schedule, and I, I know this is like one of those Captain Obvious Hindsight's 2020 things, but like, my God, the schedule is just completely falling apart outside of Cincinnati. I mean, it's just their their opponents just aren't have not been good and aren't good. Um, and Maybe Stanford and Navy are really good by the end of the year, but it hasn't looked that way for the most part for most of Notre Dame's opponents so far. It's, yeah, I mean, I... I sit here feeling the way I did two weeks ago. Like, this is a very, very flawed team that can and I won't say should, but definitely can go 11 and 1. I don't think they will. I mean, you know, they survived by the skin of their teeth tonight. I thought Braxton Burmeister, as much as we want to talk about Jack Cohn's um, uh, jewels, Braxton Burmeister could barely stand up back there and made yeah. play after play. And gave his team everything. Hats off to that guy. Um, he deserved better than he got from everyone around him tonight. Uh, but it was um, like you gotta. Well, did we was Buckner could he have come back in? Was that addressed? He so it was not addressed. Um, so we didn't even get cleared in what the injury was uh, post game. Looked like but, he rolled um, his ankle, which could suck, but also, yeah. could also just be played through the pain. You know, it's a, 
like when he walked off or he couldn't walk off the field he was like helped off the field no weight on the um no weight on the right ankle at all but then after a couple minutes later he comes he's throwing on the sideline with cone like sort of warming up um so there was certainly you you would feel good about that if you're notre dame long haul that there's there's not something that is going to prohibit him from playing two weeks from now in some kind of package but Again, you know, one of the developments tonight, Brian Kelly said at post game was like when they bench Jack Cohn, give Buckner the playbook. Like, forget the package stuff, forget the Wildcat talk. Like, just go out there and try to run it. And I mean, you saw him run face first into his limitations as a freshman quarterback who was what taking forty five snaps before tonight, thirty five snaps before tonight. I mean, he just he shouldn't have a mastery of that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, a huge learning experience for him. Um, but that's so valuable. And, and look, I, I get it. If you're Drew Pine, you're sort of like, well, that somebody's got to be – somebody was always going to be third, right? Um, after the last two weeks, you thought Drew Pine might be number one. But I think after tonight, it, he's got to be three. And then you've got Cohn and Buckner, and you got to figure out how you can play both. I mean, it's – let's go week by week the last three weeks, if you will. I mean, Pine comes in and, and – I wouldn't say saves a day. They're going to win that game with or without him. But, you know, he, he's the quarterback at the end who helps Brian Kelly beat Wisconsin and get the Notre Dame wins record. And afterward, Kelly's like, Cones are starter, Cones are starter. And he gets one more question about it. And Kelly makes a joke to the effect of like, of course, you're never going to stop asking about the quarterbacks. That sticks to me, like gum to my shoe or something to that effect. Can't avoid it. Last week, we know who our quarterback is. We're going with one guy. We got to stick with it. We can't do flavor of the week. And then today it's complete opposite. Like, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. Like, whatever the hell he says in front of a microphone or camera, like, discard it. It doesn't mean anything. He does it because he has to. Um, I wrote 105 fun facts about him two weeks ago. I could write 105 lies he told in the last two weeks alone if I really want to dig into it. It's it's kind of comedy <laughs> hour. But, um, you know, at, at halftime, the comment that was interesting to me that he said to Kelsey Riggs when he said, you know, Cone, or not Cone, Buckner is going to be there for the second half was – yeah, we've been trying to hold off going to him as in Buckner. And I just, I get it. He's young. We saw his limitations or, or, or you know, his, his inability to master everything as a first-year limited experience player. But even to say that out loud, I just think, like, why are you trying to hold off going to him? You know, it's not like Jack Cohn was giving you a reason before the fourth quarter tonight to hold you off from going to him. Like, the best players should play. And we've heard again and again, both on and off the record, how this guy is the future in Notre Dame football. And not by any means saying this is a lost season, but everyone has mistakes they got to get out of their system. And this would be the time for, for Tyler Buckner to do it. Now, who the hell knows, right? Alabama just lost. Everyone except Georgia in the history, in college football in 2021, I think, has lost a game so far. And Iowa. Um, like, maybe there is a path to a playoff at 11. I don't know. I don't think so. Not with the schedule. But, like, it's a crazy, crazy year. They're going to have to be four teams they put in that field at the end of the year. And if you're 11 and one, regardless of your competition, you've got as good of argument as anyone. So I'm not saying write things off or prepare for the future or anything like that. But if all things are being equal and one guy has more upside than the other, uh, reason would state Tyler Buckner should be that guy uh, if he's healthy. Uh, We'll see though. I mean, it's only at Notre Dame, only with Brian Kelly, can you have only three scholarship quarterbacks and still find a way to like, I wouldn't say mismanage it because you won the game tonight, but like make a controversy out of everything. Misdirects the public out of everything. Like there are only so many ways you can like reslot one, two, and three. 
And yet we've seen that juggling act in every fashion possible over the last two weeks. And I don't know where it goes from here. Um, you know, you, you, when you're in the spotlight the way they are, you, you, you risk saying things that you corner yourself into the way Brian Kelly did this past week by saying we've got one guy and we got to go with him and stick with him. Um, and Well, I mean, hold up. At halftime last week, he said they're sticking with Jack Cohn. Yeah. And then immediately went yeah. to Drew Pine. So, like, I, taking – Taking anything he says with with too much gravity, I think at this point it's kind of well. On well, us, it's, right? well I tweeted his, his opening statement. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "You guys should write about how great Cone was, but you'll find the negative." And I tweet it. And it's probably the first time in the history of journalism or college football where every single reply in my mentions, and there were like dozens upon dozens of them, were all pro media and anti the team that just won. So, like, <laughs> when you've done that, when you've got the fan base on the media side, you're really yeah, Brian Kelly. Yeah, Mac you're Brown really <laughs> wearing really- out. On point tonight. <laughs> Wearing things out. Um, but, I mean, it just – you got to – like, I don't I don't think there's a clear-cut answer. I think if we've learned anything now that we're at the halfway point of the season, there isn't. Like, you need to keep everyone engaged. I don't – I'm not at practice, so I don't know. I assume Drew Pine is engaged. We all hear what a gamer he is. He obviously looks engaged when he gets in there. On Saturdays, um, it would stand a reason he could be frustrated with the way things played out this week. I don't know that, but from the outside looking in, that could make sense. Um, but you could make that argument for any three of those guys. I mean, we've seen a lot of veteran quarterbacks, both at and out of Notre Dame, not do what Jack Cohn just did, and with good reason. Like, you gave up on me. Like, like to, to stay mentally engaged and do what he did tonight Like is, is something that I don't think you can fully appreciate. Um, it, it was really, really impressive. Um, I also think much like Drew Pine in the second half last week, that's not um, that can't be duplicated over four quarters of a game, which is goes back to our original point. Like you, you still don't have a guy who can get you from the start of one game to the end of another. And I don't know. In 2012, there was Golson and Reese. There was a starter and the closer with modern baseball analytics openers are a big thing right now maybe that's what Notre Dame's going for you got a guy do the first three drives of the game and someone come in to relieve him I don't know um it worked tonight I think it should work through most of their opponents um that they're playing this season but at the same time uh much like they met their match last week against Cincinnati I think eventually this catches up to them because it almost hit again tonight well okay my mild counterpoint on this why can't they like if we think they're going to go ten and two? Can't they go ten and two like this? Yeah, ten and two. Yeah, eleven one. You know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, prop maybe not. Um, but t- I think they can go ten and two and play this way the rest of the year, which I would still consider a good season. And like at the beginning of the year, I must have said this fifty times. What would constitute a good year for Notre Dame? One, win ten games. Two you know Tyler Buckner's the real deal moving forward. That this this would get you there. Like you could keep playing this way, get to 10 and 2, no Tyler Buckner's really good. At, at that point like this was you know, is it a rebuilding season? Maybe a little um reloading season, less so, but certainly like it's a, it's a team in transition, but I mean, there is you're playing Joe like the what seven freshmen on offense. Um like some of them look like they're going to be really, really good long haul. Um, if you if you can know that by the end of the year, I mean, look, they're not going to the playoff. They're not winning a national champion this year. So what? Yep. Yeah, so be it. But if you can end this season 
in a way that you feel confident, like you have the cornerstones for the next Notre Dame great, the next great Notre Dame team, whether that's 22 or 23 or 24, like I would take that as a huge win. If I'm Brian Kelly, like that to me, that, that should energize you if you follow Notre Dame football opposed to frustrate you that they can't pick a quarterback right now. If they could win 10 or 11 games, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, if you come up for air at the end of the season and look back on it that way, sure. Within the season, though, like you still have to carve a path to getting to that point, and it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying it can't be done. It's just every week this season has been a season unto itself with its own plot twists and turns and developments and – Oh my God! What are they doing? Moments. Um, I mean, Tim Asbeck said on the broadcast today, like they, uh, I had the exact quote here. It was uh, they found. Let me find it. He said, "I think we just saw Tyler Buckner win the job, basically, as he at the start of the third quarter." And hey, who's to argue with him at that point based on what you saw? Yeah. So it's like you don't want to. You want to get these guys ready, but if you do have a guy like Jack Cohn. Like, you don't want Tyler Buckner to learn how to do a two-minute drill with a game on the line when you have a guy back there who we know can do it. We've seen him do it twice now. Uh, or, or actually three well, times Tyler Buckner, three, Florida State, Toledo. Ty- Tyler Buckner did a two-minute drill at the end of the first That's half. That's different. <laughs> You're not losing the game at the end of the first yeah. half. Right. But, I mean, the pressure is different, but the mechanics are the same. Um, you're trying to score a touchdown. And you know you can live with that without doing it, but like to run an offense that way and have some success is like is significant. But I mean, for Cone to do it twice, three times, really in three and a half minutes. Florida State, is, Florida State, Toledo, and yep. this one. Yeah, I mean it's it's remarkable to see what they're doing. It well defensively, we should probably get into that a little bit. Um, you know, Kurt Heinisch back tonight. Um, they definitely had some trouble with Burmeister's mobility, understandably so. That dude is quick, um, and they got a. They, I mean, look, they had some breaks in the third quarter. I thought, um, and even at the end of the game, where Burmeister overthrew, I think Trey Turner, uh, just by a little bit. Um, you know, Notre Dame has its own pick. Um, they were able to convert that into some points, I believe, like that. But defensively, this was not certainly not their best game, but I. This would be one of the times, like, I think in the first couple weeks of the season, it was, you looked at Notre Dame's defense, felt like they played poorly. That's why the offense had success. Tonight, I felt like Virginia Tech actually did some good things. Um, like, I would give I would give more credit to Vatek than I would to Florida State. Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, I mean, I thought Virginia Tech missed a golden opportunity early in the second quarter. They had the long pass to Trey Turner down to the one, first and goal of the one. And for whatever reason, and this has never worked in the history of football as far as I've ever watched, where you try to rush a play so they can't review it, they're going to review it no matter what. And they rushed it and completely were unprepared, not ready, and wasted first and goal from the one. And they ended up kicking a field goal on that drive to make it 10 nothing. And I just think in a game like that where points are at a premium and you're playing at that point, Tyler Buckner came in. 14 nothing for Tyler Buckner in that venue is a lot different than 10 nothing. 14-0 with a lead for that program is a lot different than 10-0. And I thought they really shot themselves in the foot there early on, Virginia Tech, that is, um, with a chance to, to, to establish a bigger lead. But it, it was uh, – I, I was impressed by Braxton Burmeister a lot more than I thought I would be um, coming into this game. And uh, the whole 
I mean, you were there. You could speak to it better than me, but you understood at the end what Brian Kelly was talking about when you talk when he talked about uh, wanting a guy who can go into a road environment like that at night, hostile crowd. Uh, not saying Butner can't do it, but he had a couple really bad picks, um, and frankly, should have had another one in the second half that was dropped. So um, that's the value of a Jack Cone. How do you manage that over the course of the season? I don't know. Um, hopefully Tyler Buckner's healthy, first and foremost. Um, I would guess he is based on everything that we saw transpire. But um, good time for the bye week. Good time. I mean, the one benefit of being an independent, you essentially get to schedule your own bye week, and Notre Dame gets to do that at or damn near near the halfway point of every season. Um, and they did again this year uh, as they go into it at 5-1. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know they they certainly have a lot to get worked out, but um, if Buckner's health is clear and he can play moving forward, then I I feel like they'll be in a position where he can do some stuff. And like then the Buckner that you're bringing in is not the Wildcat quarterback that we saw against Toledo. It's a guy with more of a handle of the offense. So you should be able to to use him in a way that you're not asking him to throw the passes that he threw tonight that got picked off, um, that you could bring him in just as like to spark you here or there. Uh, but I, it's hard. For, I think the thing that I can explain the least is why the offensive line was so poor at the beginning and why they were so good at the end. I mean, what, what changed? Cause it, at the beginning and the end, the quarterback's the same, still Jack Cohn, and you're not even attempting to run the ball at the end. So why that group was better that's that's pretty tough to tough to make sense of here from you know an hour after it, the game. Yeah, it is tough to make sense of um, different game situations, obviously. But you know, I just feel like I've heard Tom Brady say this after I think it was after the Super Bowl comeback against the Falcons. Like he he's just like watch any big football game ever. Like the offense always gets its way at the end. Like the defense is just gas. Like you cannot compare the beginning of any football game to the end of another because the offense is dictating tempo and they have the ball and they're going to do everything they can to score and they're, they have a condensed amount of time and that's that. And there's nothing the defense can do about it. They're literally playing defense. Uh, is that? I don't know how that explains why Jack Cohn is better protected than he is on the first drive of every game. That's all but two games now where he's taken a really big sack on the first drive of the game. Um, and the one time he did it, or one of the two times he did it last week, he had a really bad pick um, against Cincinnati. But did they find something there? I don't know. It was a different, another different lineup, four different starter at left tackle uh, this season. I think this was the first time they outrushed their opponent all season long. I could be wrong there. Um, I would think so. It but was 170, 173 for, sure. for Notre Dame, 134 for Virginia Tech. Um, as Notre Dame's high on the season on the ground. Um, we saw Kyron Williams be Kyron Williams and act like Kyron Williams after the game and with us, almost a brouhaha at the end, which was entertaining to watch from afar. Uh, no Chris Tyree for most of the second half. Turf, turf toe. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, Brian Kelly, we updated turf toe, and then Mayer, he felt like Mayer wanted to play, and the staff was like, eh, let's not. It was going to be limited to like sort of red zone situations um, or maybe obvious passing downs, and the staff was just like, we're not going to get you hurt even worse for like kind of a high-risk, high medium-reward type of situation. So that was 
That was a bit of a game time. I decision. believe that was genuine. He was in uniform, and the, the broadcast crew basically said, like, he might play. He might not. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was genuine. Um, the I mean, you alluded to this, I think, on Twitter. They said on the broadcast, you know, Brian Kelly said, I don't want a flavor of the week at quarterback. <laughs> How in the world do you decide with the roller coaster that you've seen so far what you're going to do? And you had something a little trippier, uh, to put it lightly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like hey, – Welcome to my new, here's my new flavor LSD chip. Um, I I think that was we talked about this at halftime in the press box. Um, I wonder how much of a handle Brian Kelly has on the quarterback situation. You mean versus Tommy Reese or like in general? No, 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 no. no. I just mean in terms of like knowing what's coming. Because I didn't. He benched Jack Cohn, and then got such a huge spark from Buckner. As you're watching it, and again, this is a halftime before Buckner slid down in the second half, but I just wonder if Brian Kelly knew Tyler Buckner was going to give him that. He pro- he, Do you start him here? Um, if you knew Jack Cohn would, could give you the fourth quarter at the end, like how can, why can't he give you that in the second or the third quarter? It, it, and then like even the Drew Pine stuff, he comes in last week as a little bit of a spark, leveled off at the end. Um, but it just, I, I just wonder as, as much as Brian Kelly talks about, how much fun he's having coaches coaching this team. The fact that he like head in hands, face palm, arms overhead, like post game, this it's fun, but also exhausting. And I, I wonder how much he knows, like what he's going to get week to week, other than the attitude and the physicality. Like certainly there was nothing that I think happened tonight that he was like, yep, I saw that coming from the offensive line or yep. I, t- I totally saw thought Jack Cohn was going to do that at the end or, um, you know, I guess defensively is maybe what you got, but even like Cam Hart has been a star the last couple of weeks. Struggled tonight. Um, you know, big missed tackle in the open field that that turned into points for Virginia Tech eventually. So, I I just wonder if Notre Dame's just gonna keep living this way where they don't. It's just it's hard to know what you're gonna get on a week to week basis, other than the fact that you know you have a bunch of really good players. Which is hey, that's that's a great start. Hey, the coaching staff worked seventy seven hours last week. I'd love to hear the the workload this week they put in. It's a great situation that Harry Heastang was in town all those years ago, right? Like just just great to have a guy in town to go behind the uh, full time staff's back. Great situation all around. But I I do like you only have three quarterbacks. Like again, there's only so much. Like we're not the halfway point of the season, and all these guys have played after tonight when Tyler Buckner played most of the middle of the game. Like, all these guys have shown a significant amount of game film against opposing defenses. You only have three. Like, there's only – the element of surprise I don't think will continue to work um, the way it has so far this season. It's working on Brian well, Kelly. I think Brian Kelly is surprised with us. I, I think so, too. But, like, the element of surprise – and, like, by surprise, I, I, maybe that's a bad word. Like, the element of momentum. Like, I don't – the Canadian fan base wanted to crown Drew Pine last week, and I get it. There's a reason the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on the team. Not saying he didn't play well last week, but I don't think there's any pressure in the world entering a game down 17-0. You have nothing to lose. Like, that has got to be the easiest situation in the world to be coming into a game for the first time. Like, no one's going to criticize you for anything you do because you didn't get them in that hole. And if you do anything competent, you're going to be a hero. And, you know, not quite the same situation today with Tyler Buckner. And he didn't play quite as well, nearly as well, I would say, as Drew Pine did last week. But, again, low-pressure situation, I think, for a true freshman. 
Uh, I don't. I disagree with that. I mean, it's on the road. The environment was going against you. Like, I I agree. It's a low pressure situation in the sense of like on message boards, no problem. While you're living it, high pressure situation. It is, but they're if, uh, they're down ten nothing. Like, right. If they lose, if they lose, good. it's not his. Things were not. If they lose, it's fight. not his fault. If they win, he's a hero. Like, obviously, like yeah. So you got to play football. Like that's hard. I'm not like discounting that. But, like, right. the mental state, again, there's a reason Tyler Buckner did not start this game at Lane Stadium at night. Um, it is a different situation coming in the middle of a game. And now, like, defense coordinators have film on him for more than just, like, the five plays a game he comes in to run a very predictable run play. Yeah. So, to stretch this out essentially twice as much as you have already since you're halfway through the season – I don't know. Um, you know, I think we were all of the belief after last week, pick one guy and stick with him. Now, <laughs> let's throw Drew Pine in there against USC. I don't know. Like, let, let, let's, what other combinations can we come up with? Yeah, just wait Just wait till Brendan Clark starts against there North Carolina. Go. One of the reasons I felt this team would be highly entertaining to watch, I did not think it would be as this entertaining. Um but if you're if you're just sort of following the team, certainly if you're writing about them uh, as a journalist, they're they are a fun team to cover because you don't know what's going to happen before the game starts. Um, you don't know what's going to happen in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. Sometimes um, this it, you know to have the Florida State game win in overtime, blow a lead, win in overtime, Toledo. You're almost losing at home to a Mac school. You have a dislocated finger on your starting quarterback. This was more impressive than that, by the way. I meant to tweet that. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, that was impressive. This was just like he came out and it was Tom Brady all of a sudden after – I don't – I don't – I'm, I'm trying to uh, – was Andy Dalton for the first three drives. Like, it was – that. That was an incredible turnaround. Um, you know, like even the Cincinnati game was dramatic and entertaining. You know, if you're a Notre Dame fan, not the kind of entertainment that you're looking for. But that's – this is like – this is why college sports kicks ass. Like college football in particular, you just don't know what's going to happen. That's, that's when it's really good. Um, this year. May be, that may be when it's real. that may be when it's really bad for coaches. But for reporters, for people who just follow the sport or love the sport – this is awesome. Like, it doesn't get much better. No, bring on the chaos. I mean, I, I think it was the opposite of that for the last couple of years, which is why they're probably yep. going to expand the playoff. It was very predictable um, season. Now, every single playoff team from last year has already lost a game. Everyone good has lost a game other than Georgia and Iowa. And maybe you throw Michigan in there. I don't. They won 32-29 tonight as well. Yeah, um, I wouldn't throw them in there. Iowa and Georgia are undefeated. Like, I don't, or Cincinnati. Like, perfect year for them to make a playoff. Maybe 11-1 Notre Dame. I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they'll get there. But, like, it's a crazy year. Why not? Like, let's throw that out there right now as a as a hypothetical because, like, nothing we thought we knew about a lot of these teams coming into the year has held to be true. And that's what's made it fun. That's what's made it exciting. Um, you know, we, we identify Notre Dame for a long time as a team that wins the games it's supposed to win and uh, doesn't always win the, game, win the games it's not supposed to win. And, some ways, that's still true. I mean, the only game they lost was Cincinnati, an underdog, and with Alabama's loss tonight. They have, a, they yep. have the nation's longest winning streak against teams. unranked competition yep. now. After Take that, Nick yep. Saban. And Dabo, a couple weeks ago, lost to NC State. They were one of, one ahead of Notre Dame there as well. Um, 
yeah, it's it, it's been a wild ride. I mean, I think we're all ready for a bye. Um, Kyron Williams was like, no football whatsoever. Can't wait. Yeah. yeah, I think Notre Dame's SID was like, oh. Also, like, when he was talking about he got rocked. Oh, yeah, and he talked about I'm going to field to get yeah. ejected. And he came back and he was like, yeah, I was getting checked out for, you know, concussion, doing the one hop, and then – I sco- they sco- we scored and I told Doctor Lazo like I, I gotta get back out there. No more time for tests. Like and I he's love back it. in the game. What? It's not like they don't want to play. Like <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love I love the authenticity of the whole thing. Like Brian Kelly and Brian Kelly included in terms of his mannerisms yeah. about just how like forget the quotes. Just the, if you just watched him. No, it reminded me of the Florida State game. The game a second time. Like post game. Yeah. Like he's he's very. Like he's obviously got an edge to him. He's obviously chippy, but like there's definitely a part of him that's kind of like, shoot, man, I thought I saw it all in my thirty something years as a head coach, and this game and this program never ceases to surprise me. Like I'm going to try, I'm going to grip my teeth and try to enjoy this, so long as we keep winning more than we lose. We lose, and so far they've done that. Um, so it should be an interesting second half of the season, no question about it. Um, I think that's all I got. I mean, we've got a lot. I don't know. What's our bye week plans? Are we going to do a midseason? I, there, are, there are no bye week plans. Much like Kyron Williams, perhaps we'll do, we will have nothing to do Actually, with you don't, hey, the next we, week. But I, but I find that we, highly we got to get our, your, your, um, your groupie on the show again, Mike Tirico, who is he, who's well, either the biggest <laughs> Drew White fan in the world or the biggest Pete Sampson fan in the world, or both. Yeah, no, maybe both. I mean, both both Drew White and I are very wholesome people, so I, I, we're hopefully we can be we're we're rootable types. Uh, yeah, that was I appreciate that shout out from Trico. That was really all nice. off you saying what Drew White was underrated. But immediately, my next tweet, I misidentified who caught the touchdown pass, so I felt like a total fraud. Like two it's seconds okay. later, it's no one cares. <laughs> I it was Tyree and Kyron Williams. So. Yeah, no, I mean this is this was an incredible game. Uh, great spectacle here. The the crowd was way better than what I remember in 2018 because the game was way better. Um, the entrance was great. Uh, and look, I mean, Notre Dame now, they're off. They're two, two toughest games, I think. I mean, I don't know if we're counting Stanford as a tough game yet. Um, but you got North Carolina and USC at home. You got Navy at home. You're at Virginia. Georgia Tech at home. At Stanford. Georgia Tech and Navy, I hate to say like, Oh, they're a sure thing because Notre Dame almost lost to Toledo. But, you know, if they – I feel like a 5-1 and one finish would be impressive. And I'm not sure that I would have always said that going 10-2 – and two, like, I think 10-2 and two would be a good year, but not necessarily an impressive year. But North Carolina – or um, Stanford and Virginia, I think, are probably a little bit better than I thought. Stanford a lot better than I thought. Um, North Carolina and USC are much worse. I, I, yeah, so, I got to see what this team looks like. Health wise, too, um, down the yeah. stretch of the season. Um, Navy, I always feel skittish about them with a first year coordinator, but Freeman played them in the AAC, so I'm not worried about that. Although they, they almost beat SMU today and they beat UCF last week and they're playing much better. Stanford, Stanford has a habit of beating top five teams. I don't think Notre Dame's going to be there by the end of the season, but they might. I mean, point remains Stanford plays above its head sometimes. For big games. And then, I mean, Carolina, who knows? Like, that's got to be the most frustrating team to watch and be a fan of. Like, one week they're putting up 59 points against Virginia. The, next the media week, yeah. overrated them. It's the media's mm-hmm. fault. That's what you get for being such a nice guy, Mac Brown. 
um, yeah. and Tom Allen in Indiana while we're at it. But um, <laughs> like they, I I had that USC game circled for a while. I, I can't in good conscience do that now after the performances they've put out at home. Or maybe they're just good away from home and not good at home. I don't know. But they got boat race tonight by Utah um, at home. Oh did, yeah, yeah, I, they, I didn't pay attention. I, the only thing I saw from them is I think that. Uh, Drake Jackson left in a walking boot. So there's that coming out of the bye week. They have a bye week as well. USC, um, Georgia Tech. I, I, again, I don't. I don't think Notre Dame's good enough where you, any of us can say, "Oh, that's a win." We don't need to worry about that. Um, and Georgia Tech has also been a very uneven team this season. But again, game Notre Dame should win. Um, and frankly, they, the ones they've won, like don't. The only game they've lost this year Look, is the only game I thought they should have lost. Like. They're not going to play a ranked team the rest of the year, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I doubt it. Um, I don't see how that would be they, now possible. Now they believe they're – are they at 36? Yeah, 36 straight unranked. Wins over over unranked. So, I mean, if, the, if those trends continue, no, I mean, I could see – maybe could Stanford creep in there maybe? Could Virginia maybe? But, I mean, USC is no. North Carolina, no. Um, Georgia Tech, no. Navy, no. I mean, it's more likely than not that they won't play a ranked team until they get to a bowl game. I would agree. I would agree with that. Point. Um, so if you keep that streak alive, you're going 11 and one. How about that, Matt Fortuna? Said that going into the Cincinnati game with the home streak, and that yeah. kind of blew up in your face. So <laughs> one streak will survive. Um, we'll see. I, I got to see. I mean, it's a long season. Um, they they tell were me about pretty, it. I have to drive from West. I have to drive from Blacksburg to South Bend tomorrow. How long is that? It is a long, how long season. Is that drive. Uh, it's like eight How many hours. episodes? Are you going to listen to the whole first season of The Shamrock on repeat to get you through it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen to our terrible predictions. Actually, that would make for actually a fun podcast fodder. Like you going back and looking at how dumb how dumb. I, I would was. probably look like Brian Kelly did after the game. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> and then I'd probably criticize you for being too negative. Of course, because um, I'm the one yeah, who yanked yeah. Jack Cohn. But. <laughs> exactly. Um yeah, there's there's a lot to unfold with Notre Dame the rest of the year, and like from our our point of view, the best thing that happened tonight is like everyone's still really going to want to see how it unfolds. Like the Tyler Buckner dynamic was going to be the same whether Notre Dame won or lost. You want to see him the rest of the way, but there's skin in the game now with him with Notre Dame at five and one. Um, whether that and that's whether you think they have a shot at the playoff or not. I personally do not, but you know, to go eleven and one or ten and two with this this roster this year in college football, I think would be pretty impressive. Um, you know, to get to a New Year's Six game, and then that's I mean, ultimately that's what I want to see from Notre Dame. I, I wanted to see Notre Dame on the field with somebody else who is really good, and I couldn't tell you who that person is or who that team is because everyone's losing. Um, but I would like to see Notre Dame in a New Year's Six game against a brand name opponent, and then then you could sort of judge where the program is moving into what is going to feel like a kind of a new cycle in 2022 and 2023. It will. I'm still maybe – I'm not as like – I don't know if the word's a message, right? But like I, I, there's still so much with this season, still so much to play for for this season that I just – I'm not there yet as far as the future. Um, they have the same number of losses as Ohio State and Alabama. Like I don't think Ohio State and Alabama are looking ahead to next year yet. You know what I mean? And I know they – with comp- yeah, it's just it's more just a point of view of like where the program is, right? Like we're not spending much time this year talking about gap closing with Alabama. This is just like 
get your new pieces in order, figure out who you are. If you have a new identity, figure it out. Like they'll figure it out over the next month and a half. But then I would, I would really like to see them figure it out in a bowl game. Um, if there's stakes in that bowl game, I don't want to see them figure it out in the cheese it bowl against Texas. You just don't want to go to the cheese. That'd be fun after actually seeing Texas play today. That would be really fun. Um, you just don't want to go to the cheese it bowl again. I don't blame you. I don't know. I, I still think there's a lot to play for this season. I still think there's a lot at stake this season. Like, it's a weird year. Not saying Notre Dame's one of the four best teams in the country, but, like, who's to say they can't be there at the end of the year if they win all their games? Like, I just – it's it's year 12 of the Brian Kelly era. I'm not saying go win it all this year, but, like, I don't think they should ever be in that mode of, like, well, if we can use this year to build toward next year, like, we're going to be in good shape. Like, no, like – Everyone on that roster, even the backups, even the guys who are filling in for, for injured guys, were all highly talented players. And outside of the offensive linemen, they've all played that way for the most part. So uh, I, I don't look at it as, a, as a, a, a transitional year, for lack of a better term. All right. Yeah, there's, like, there's a lot to unpack the rest of this year. There'll be a lot to unpack of what this year means for everything that follows it. So... We'll be here to talk about that on many episodes of the Shamrock to come the rest of the season. Uh, perhaps we'll do like sort of a mid-season uh, temperature check of the program after I get some sleep. Um, I'll, I'll be in Vegas this week. What should I, which, what's the bet I should, oh, what's the bet I should make? Good for you. My brother's good getting you know. married. Um, what could go wrong there? Um, yeah. <laughs> if you guys want to help me with my best man speech, I'm all for it. But if you want to help me make some money... Give me a good prop that I could tr- possibly find on Notre Dame. <laughs> How many different quarterbacks in their three-quarterback room can they start over the last six games? Four. <laughs> <laughs> good times. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap up this uh, after-hours edition of the Shamrock. Following Notre Dame's 32-29 win that I still cannot quite <laughs> fully process. He's Matt Fortuna in Chicago. I'm Pete Sampson in Blacksburg. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the Shamrock. Shamrock.